Analux 2.19. Dugai of Lu asked, What can I do to induce the common people to become loyal? Confucius answered, Raise up the straight and apply them to the crooked, and the people will become loyal. If you raise up the crooked and apply them to the straight, the people will never be yours. Let's do a little history here. Confucius's home state is Lu, and his ruler is Duke I. And Lu is a kind of kingdom within the larger empire of the Zhou dynasty. Z-H-O-U, if you want to look this up later. So the Zhou dynasty is what's referred to as the empire in translations. But this kind of empire is not an expansionist empire like so many empires that have taken place in, say, European history or in the pre-Columbian Americas, in other words, the Americas before Christopher Columbus discovered this area for the Europeans. So we have here a situation where there is a very long-lived dynasty. And the dynasty, depending on whom you ask, which historian you ask, and how they set up the years, uh, a conservative estimate of how long this dynasty lasts is approximately eight centuries, so almost a millennium. Now, the way it works from the beginning deteriorates over time. And so by the time you get to Confucius and then later on Mencius and Shunzi, we devolve into, by the end, uh, the Warring States period, where one kingdom is attacking another. And they're making these alliances referred to as the horizontal and the vertical alliances, which refer to geographics, geographical directions. And they ally with each other, attack each other, uh, obtain more territory or lose territory. And by the end of all of this, you have the Kingdom of Qin emerging as the dominant power, and they are able to conquer their neighbors, essentially overthrow the Zhou Dynasty and set up the Qin Dynasty. But that's very much a couple centuries into the future. During this time, that Confucius is living in and speaking these words, the Zhou dynasty is still there, at least in name. But the customs, the political structure, etc., a lot of that has been deteriorating. And so the Duke of Zhou, who lives many, many centuries before Confucius, he is the one who sets up many, much of this culture, and he is living at the beginning of the dynasty. And so a lot of these decisions in that early time have been made on how to, how uh, everything should work. Uh, the framework is established, but that framework itself is deteriorating. So we're at the situation, we have Lu, that's where 
Confucius lives, and his duke, uh, what can also be uh, translated as king, uh, and an emperor is, uh, in a sense, the king of kings, or the lord of kings. So Dugai here is asking Confucius some advice. Furthermore, in the state of Lu, Dugai is not the leader he should be, according to the ideals of the Zhou dynasty, because these three aristocratic families that were mentioned at the beginning of Book 2, or excuse me, that will be uh, discussed more in the uh, next book, the Book 3 and 3.2, you have the three families of Lu, Meng, Sun, Shu, Sun, and Ji, Sun. These three families, Meng, Shu, and Ji, are aristocratic families, and they're not supposed to have uh, the power politically that they do have because their position is not that of the dukes. And yet they are the ones who are controlling politics. This happens all the time, actually. This still happens today. You simply might not be aware because you are politically ignorant about your situation. And I don't mean this as an insult. I myself am largely politically ignorant. It's simply a reality that even though you are educated and intelligent, there's only so much time in your life. And you cannot devote that all to politics. That's a full-time job. And so I don't know perhaps even half of what you might know for today's political situation. I simply try to keep track of the major occurrences that are going on and understand the major direction, the general direction that things are going into and try to make the best decisions for my family on what I can gather. But it truly is a full-time position. But if you go to some of these states especially, what you find is that certain families have essentially formed some sort of uh, situation where we can compare them even to a sort of dynasty where they hold power from generation to generation in local politics or even at a larger scale than that. So this happens all the time. This happens in every country. There's not an exception to this. And that has a lot to do with the fact that political power has a lot to do with connections. So even though officially the system is not supposed to work that way, it can often work that way. So one of the things about monarchy is that it makes it a little more transparent that power does rest in certain families and lineages, and therefore it also makes it more clear that the king does not have the power he should. But if you have something like an elect, uh, electorate, then there's so much activity happening, happening around with people debating that you that actually starts to obfuscate what's really happening with uh, these powerful families making decisions amongst themselves. So that's something uh, to understand 
there about the situation. Now, I wanted to bring that all up as background because we have Dugai here asking a question. And I believe, though I'm not sure, that this is probably the first time we find Dugai asking a question uh, in the analogs. So it's worth going through that context here. So his question, however, is something that can apply to any governing situation, not only that of his own. It does, of course, still apply to his situation specifically because these families are not straight. They're not true. They're not uh, people who are acting with integrity, and we'll see that in later books. These people are, in fact, they find Confucius to be interesting, and at times we also get the sense that they find Confucius to be uh, bothersome or even an obstacle. But what's the wisdom here that is timeless and not only applicable to Duke's eye of Lu's situation? Loyalty or you can also translate this into other words like uh, submissiveness or allegiance. But people will be loyal best if their superiors are right. If their superiors are righteous and they are ren, people will naturally want to follow those people. Now, this is always a, a tricky thing to discuss because if you have, if you find a random person and he's impoverished, uh, but he is true, he is straight, he is righteous, he is red, it still won't matter because the common people um, look towards those of status and respond to those of status and power. So if he's just a random person, uh, it, it doesn't have the same effect. In that case, only good people will see something in that person and then associate with him or follow him or uh, take him as a teacher to him. But most people will not. Most people, unfortunately, are petty. They do not respond simply to virtue for its own sake, but they instead respond to those who have power first. But among those who have power and status, they would prefer to follow, to have loyalty to those who also have virtue. So to most people who are petty, both are requirement, status and power on one hand and virtue on the other. What happens when you have only status and power? Well, people will still follow, but very begrudgingly so, and, and once there's a moment of weakness or uh, it's advantageous to leave such a person, there will be no true loyalty. They'll, they'll simply leave. So a good example of that today is um, a person's employer. The person's employer has status and essentially power over the employee because he's the one who sends this reliable paycheck every uh, week or two. And, and so 
respect is given and the employee does put in work, but the moment a better job pops up, he's going to leave. Um, the moment that the paychecks are not coming out, he's not going to show up to work. And once he feels like he can get away with not working hard as he used to, he's going to do that. So that's not true loyalty. But somebody who is Ren and E, who is straight and true, those people, even though they may not be able to pay as much um, one day, even though there might be a better opportunity elsewhere, even though somebody else might be willing to pay more, still they'll want to stay. That would be loyalty. Even though they could slack off and get away with it, they'll still work with dedication. That is true loyalty. And that kind of loyalty can only be obtained by what Confucius is saying, raise up the straight and apply them to the crook and the people will be loyal. And that's a major insight that Shunzi will expand upon in his text because he makes a di distinction between the hegemon and the true king. The true king is the one who can inspire this greater form of loyalty. The hegemon can only induce incentives for people to follow. And that overall, that's the difference. And that's why a true king is much greater than the hegemon, even in terms of strength. So if you raise up the crooked and apply them to the straight, the people will never be yours. But if you raise up the straight and apply them to the crooked, then the people will be loyal. Speaking of Shunzi, he has this great metaphor about the press frame and uh, the ability for uh, what's called the press frame to take crooked wood and straighten it out. And this technology, probably still used today, I'm not an expert on this, uh, either historically or in terms of its modern forms, but a lot of wood out there, of course, is not straight. And you do, and, and wood needs to be straight for it to be useful. Uh, and, and back then, even when they're making chariot wheels, chariots, uh, chariot wheels come from wood, and you're not gonna always find a giant tree with a wide enough trunk and cut a circle out of that wood. So back then, they had to figure out ways to make uh, straight wood curved and crooked wood straight in order for it to be useful for its purpose. And this is Shunzi's great metaphor for explaining that human beings are originally bad and need to be worked on. They need to work on themselves in order to become something else. And so he has these metaphors of taking crooked wood and stretching it out or taking straight wood and making it curved because that is a very 
labor-intensive process. And his whole point is, the way that you are born, you should not be satisfied with yourself. And you cannot simply live life and naturally mature into a good direction. What you have to do is you have to learn, you have to study, you have to work on yourself, you have to examine yourself, you have to discipline yourself, you have to find a teacher who helps you in all these aspects. And then you can become a virtuous person. You can't let it happen on its own. You can't simply hope for the best and not do much. You can think about this as similar to um, if you if you have any experience in, in sports, when you start out, your body is weak, it's soft, it's not worth for much. So your original physique, your original ability is not much, is lacking. That doesn't mean you don't have potential. So if you work very hard, if you do your exercises, your weightlifting, your stretches, you work on the fundamental techniques in your sport, uh, how to throw the ball or um, how to throw a punch. If you do these things, then one day you could be a great sportsman in your sport, a great athlete. And you find a coach. That would be like finding a teacher. You find a coach to help you, to point out your weaknesses, to work on where you're soft and to take advantage of where you are naturally talented. You need that coach to get to know you well. And that's actually what Confucius is doing for his students. And that's what I uh, do for my students who I work with on an individual basis. So if you would uh, be interested in that, you can always go ahead and try to uh, contact us at rekindleradiance.com. So we have here raise up the straight and apply them to the crooked. That's a metaphor that's similar to the press frame. You know, raise up the straight. The press frame, of course, is crooked. Uh, excuse me. The press frame is, of course, straight. And then the crooked is like the wood. And so the press frame is up there and it comes down, puts the correct pressure on the crooked and eventually the crooked become, itself becomes straight. And because of that, the people get to have justice and the people will become loyal. Very few things are as discouraging as seeing that the crooked are above you. The people who are corrupt, either by because they're actually breaking the law, which often happens, the wealthy do that a lot, and they skirt around the regulations and they get slaps on the wrists for, for doing this, and they oppress the people uh, by getting away with these sorts of violations. So they could be lawfully crooked in terms of law, or what can also happen is that they are crooked inside. So even though they are following the law, these people are rude, they're crude, they can't even raise their own families correctly. Uh, they do not know things of virtue. And you see these people and they're very petty, they're very greedy, that's all their life. They don't know anything of the common people's suffering. They don't know anything of lofty ideals. They don't know anything about beauty or very little of it. 
And you see these people, they're so wealthy, they're up, they're controlling everything, that's extremely discouraging. And so the common people will look at them and say, well, why should I work hard? Why should I do the right thing? Why should I be a decent person when this society rewards that kind of that kind of person? And so some of the common people say, maybe I should be more like that and behave in similarly unrighteous ways. And such people will never become loyal. Why would they? They're looking out for number one, just like the people up above. Other people will simply give up and say, I want to be a good person, These, but this, this society rewards the wrong people. Maybe I'll leave the society. Maybe I'll go to a better place. Why should I deal with it here? Here, there's a lot of work. Here, I'm surrounded by poverty. Or here, everything is too expensive. I could take whatever I have in my bank account, move to a poorer country, and live better there. So people leave. People leave because they don't have any loyalty and they don't have any loyalty because what is there to be loyalty loyal to why would they be loyal to people who are crude who are unrighteous who can't even raise their families well why would they be loyal to such persons so instead if you raise up the true and then you place them over the crooked then people will be inspired and they will also think Oh, this is a good society and if I do the right things I can live a decent life I can be happy here and they feel optimistic about the future and because the true and the straight are the ones leading they the common people can find comfort and stability in the situation they don't feel like if so true loyalty is one when another person believes in you believes in your goodness and then they want to follow you through thick and thin that's what true loyalty is it cannot be purchased it cannot be incentivized it cannot be coerced by force you cannot force people to be loyal. You can only get loyalty because they believe in you and they have these feelings of affection towards you. And that all comes from your goodness. That all comes from your virtue. Your, you don't have to just th only think about this in terms of, oh, if I were the king. You can think about this in your own relationships as a human being. If you want a happy marriage, if you want a faithful spouse, spouse, work on yourself. Don't, the way that other, other people go wrong is that they try to use a different kind of incentive. Uh, they use things like gifts and very overt, they use these overtures. Um, and so fancy gifts, this is a common mistake that a lot of young men will make. They'll try to give a really expensive gift to this girl that they like, and it's not going to work. That's very similar to an incentive. And you don't want people to, of course, be with you because you're giving them expensive things. 
There's a word for that. And I'm not going to say it here, but that's not something that you want. You want genuine faithfulness. You want genuine loyalty. You want that zhong from the other person. And that's not up to you. But what you can do is you can be a good person. So if the um, if you're a genuinely good person, if you're a virtuous man, uh, this this entails a lot of smaller virtues within it. To be virtuous contains a lot. So being wise would help you become virtuous, being grand, being benevolent, being caring, compassionate, thoughtful, uh, being confident in your actions because you are wise, uh, being courageous, acting when it's appropriate to do so, and not cowering because you might fail. These characteristics could together will constitute virtue. And of course, if you want to be virtuous, you have to develop your wisdom. You have to understand what is correct, what is not correct, what is virtuous, what is not virtuous. That's the beginnings of it, and then you have to put it into practice. But if you want to have good friends, if you want to have uh, loyalty from your children, um, if you want to have faithful spouses, you should work on yourself first, especially since that's the only thing that's really under your control anyway. You have to work on yourself first. And if you work on yourself, you will have what's called awe-inspiring virtue. And it will reach as far as your natural position will reach. And so if you are somebody's spouse, if you are somebody's husband, if you are somebody's father, if you are somebody's friend, it will have the proportionate effect there. To be realistic, if you're a virtuous person and you have these neighbors and the only thing you have in common is that you live in the next unit or in the next or down the street, if that is the only thing that you have in common, then your virtue is not going to travel far. You're not going to get much out of your mileage. And uh, excuse me, you're not going to get much mileage out of your, your virtue there. Um, but if you are in a different kind of relationship, uh, for example, you're somebody's father, you're somebody's mother, your virtue is going to travel very far. You're going to get a lot out of what you put in. So it does depend on the relationship, but ultimately you want to have a happy family more than you want to have uh, good coworkers anyway. So, of course, it will be worth cultivating in yourself, uh, your virtue. Virtue is, being a virtuous person is the best, best path towards happiness, the best method of attaining greater happiness. It is not by being a petty person and valuing petty things. Petty does not mean unimportant. It does not mean insignificant. Petty means lesser. So money is important, but it's not as important as family. 
status is is good, but is not as good as virtue. So in in this world, what we what we find are you have these people, and the find ways to accumulate vast amounts of wealth, but they become estranged from their own children, or they have very few children, or decide even not to have any children. They end up having bad marriages. Many, if not all of the wealthy are divorced. Uh, at least the ones that are in the, in the news most often, the ones who are visible to society. And those people who have great position, whether they have positive reputation among the common people or not, they are not virtuous. And so they won't have the happiness of somebody who is a commoner, but they know their own virtue and they take happiness. They have, are fulfilled by knowing that they're the best person they could be. The person like that among the common people is much more satisfied with his own life than people who have become such and such position in society, but inside they're so corrupt, unstable, flawed, and full of reasons to be ashamed of themselves that who cares if you did become, say, president? Who cares if you did become CEO? It doesn't matter because you ultimately know you are not a good person deep down inside and you don't have a sense of maybe some of these people don't even have a sense of morality. Very few things are rewarding as being a person who looks at himself and says, I know what is right and I did what was right. I had the courage to do what's right. I had the integrity to do what was right. And I was the best person that I could be. It was merely that my circumstances limited what I could accomplish externally, but internally, I was a great person. I am a great person. And this person is not afraid of death. This person is not afraid of old age. This person, when it's time to go, he has already lived what life, what is beautiful in life, and he has no regrets. I'll make a little bit of a silly analogy here. If you went to Disneyland and you could only ride half of the good rides, you would feel unsatisfied at the end of the day when you had to leave the vacation. But a person who has, who has done everything that there is to do, even though he's leaving maybe at seven o'clock, he won't have any regrets because he's experienced everything that is valuable. Now, there's always these little minor attractions, but as long as he has done what he wanted to do, he'll be happy. The person who has achieved some great goals, but missed out on being a good person inside or missed out on having a good relationship with his children or with his spouse, that person is going to die with regrets. And that's probably why such a person is going to always become greedy. 
they're good at making money or they're good at obtaining official position. And so they're going to try to get more and more from that part. That's how they get their dopamine boost. That's how they get their serotonin levels up. And so they keep chasing that because they've already messed up their lives in some other important way. And they're, they will always have that regret deep down inside. So especially if you're a young person, don't end up like that. Work on your virtue. Have the relationships that you want to have. Cultivate these things. Cherish them. Love these persons in your life. And you will become happy. And you will be okay with facing death without issue. You won't have regrets. You won't go to your death without regrets. So a person should take care of themselves. They should take care of their virtue. They should take care of their relations. They should take care of their health in that order. And then, and by the way, being a virtuous person, taking care of your relationships, there's not really a uh, major separation between these two. They're very much integrated in Confucian thought. But you want to do these things, and then you can take consider your finances. You can consider larger. Uh, you can consider external ambitions outside of yourself and your family. That is a proper prioritization. There. Don't put career over family. Don't put official status or social status above your virtue. Have your priorities in order.